Episode 110 with the best-selling author and keynote speaker, Mr. John Gordon. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to Creating Space. Welcome back to the show. I hope everyone's doing well. Shout out to the Golden State Warriors. What a team this year. Just far too much depth, far too much talent. And uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of LeBron James. I think what he's done over the course of his career has been just nothing short of outstanding. And to the reality of the situation, the Cleveland Cavaliers just pound for pound cannot compete, obviously. So the best team obviously won this series this year. Um, so shout out to Steph Curry, the Charlotte native, and uh, shout out to the Golden State Warriors. And more specifically, shout out to a good friend of mine, Mr. Steve Nash, who finally, after many years, multiple MVPs, was able to get a ring as a consultant, player development consultant with the Golden State Warriors. So shout out to Mr. Steve Nash finally getting his ring with the Golden State Warriors. But with that being said, let's transition to today's guest, someone who has worked with many a college and professional teams, someone who is uh, extremely inspirational in my life as well. This is Mr. John Gordon. John Gordon's best-selling books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. His principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals, and so on. He's the author of 17 books, including five bestsellers, such as The Energy Bus, The Carpenter, Training Camp, You Win in the Locker Room First, and The Power of Positive Leadership. John and his tips have been featured on The Today Show, CNN, CNBC, The Golf Channel, Fox, and Friends, and in numerous magazines and newspapers. His clients include the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Falcons, Campbell Soup, Dell, Publix, Southwest Airlines, LA Clippers, Miami Heat, Pittsburgh Pirates, Clemson Tigers, and so much more. He's a graduate of Cornell. The guy is leading life with excellence, and he is Mr. Positivity. And for those of you who know Creating Space, it is built around gratitude. So without any further ado, I think we got enough on Mr. John Gordon. Let's learn a little bit more in detail about what makes John Gordon great. John Gordon, the man of positivity, the author of The Energy Bus, The, the Power of Positive Leadership, and 15 other books. You've got 17 in total. John Gordon, you're changing lives, especially my own. Um, I've got my own story to tell about the energy bus and how significant that was for me. But John, even when I posted that you were coming on the show, athletes from all different aspects of my life were reaching out to me, telling me how much you've changed their life. John, how does that feel? And welcome to the Creating Space podcast. Thanks so much. No, I appreciate you having me. That is the greatest feeling in the world. I always say like, it's not winning a Super Bowl. It's not becoming a bestseller. You know, it's not even, you know, getting the email from your publisher that you've sold a million copies. I mean, really the greatest feeling in the world is to know that you made a difference in someone's life, that you actually wrote something that impacted someone's life. Because to be honest, I mean, books 
impacted me on my journey. So I remember reading different books that helped me on my journey, going through struggles, adversities, and setbacks in my own life. And it was those authors and books. So it's weird to be that person, <laughs> you know, for some for someone else. Now it is. It's a little strange feeling because I don't feel like I, I'm just me, you know. So the fact that I get to write those books, the fact that God inspired me to write those, just uh, I'm thankful. And I'm even more thankful that it's making a difference. Yeah. So I guess uh, uh, as a young guy from Long Island, you never had these dreams and aspirations. This wasn't your your vision and your mission at that time. No, we call it Strong Island, by the way. But from from <laughs> <laughs> from, from Long Island, um, New York used to talk like this. Um, from Long Island, I wanted to actually. I dreamed of being in politics, not as a writer and speaker. So I did. I was in the public eye in my dream, but it was in a whole different way. Actually, was pre-law, government economics major, uh, interned in Washington D.C. for a congresswoman during college, and then graduated, ran for city council myself, walked door to door to seven thousand houses. What? I lost the I lost the election, and then the dream ended right then and there. I was like, <laughs> "All right, I, I'm done with politics." I mean, it was really sometimes you have to lose a goal to find your destiny. And so I lost that goal, but I, I found my calling later on in writing and speaking. I'm glad I lost, right? I would have been in politics. The guy who was running alongside me in a neighboring council district, he's now the mayor of Atlanta, Kasim Reed. So we were the two youngest guys ever in history going to be city council men if we both won. He won, he's now mayor, and I'm just, I'm thrilled for him. I'm glad I didn't win. So that moment when you decided that this journey that you thought in politics was uh, no longer going to be the journey, that moment is is a scary one. Can you can you walk us back to that moment and kind of put yourself back into that person and you know share with us what that felt like? Yeah, looking back, it was a painful moment. It was a scary moment, and it was a fearful moment. I really thought my life was over. It's like okay. What now? What am I going to do now? Now, I was in the restaurant business. I owned a bar and grill in, in Buckhead. So I was 24 when I actually opened this place, 26 when I ran for city council. But that wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. So I remember feeling really down, really depressed, and really hopeless about my future at that time. So I even gave a talk recently where I shared that experience and I said, you know, stay positive because God has a plan. I thought, you know, it was the end, but really it was a new beginning. And I know that most people going through adversity and challenges when they were facing it, when they're in the middle of it, it's hard to see that future. But looking back, I know a great one was coming. Right. So, and that, this is what the Creating Space podcast is really about, John, and why it was so important to get you on, right? Because it's so tough for us in these moments to pull ourselves back and t sort of a 10,000 foot view of our circumstances and get an idea for, okay, although this really is tough right now, this is pushing me in a brand new direction in the direction I'm supposed to go. So, for me, when I when I had the injury for as a soccer player, it was following the gut. It was, okay, this does not feel right, but this does. Let me move towards what I'm enthusiastic about and just continue to follow that because I had no other skills. Did your injury end your career? Did, it did, did not. Well, it, it, it essentially did, John, and it, it opened me up and it allowed me to see that there was so much more in life other than becoming a professional athlete or staying a professional athlete simply to suit the ego. So it was sort of this evolution of, of a man uh, that the injury brought me to, but it was not without its hardships and, you know, mental, mental illness.
How long were you? How long were you a professional athlete? Okay, so at injury, I was at year six. Wow. Got sixteen months later from uh, the Greg Odin surgery, which is microfracture technique. If you remember Greg Odin from yeah. Ohio State, so I had that exact same injury. Um, was out for 16 months in Vancouver in the dark seasons. It was rainy. It was gray. It was from a kid, for a kid from Carolina, John, it was tough, man. And I was going That's through a recipe for depression right there. I had, listen, John, massive depression. So I was yeah. suicidal at one point, almost, uh, took my life actually began to climb the bridge of the Lionsgate bridge. If you've actually ever been to Vancouver, just wasn't in a good spot to say the least. Right. Um, but at that moment you have to decide one of two things, either you're going to give up or you're going to fight. Right. And for me, it was okay. If I, if I can build a life of a professional athlete, I've got to find what I can love that same way next to push all my chips in and go and, and go for that. Tell me a little bit about that moment that people need. You talk about the vision and the mission is specifically with the energy bus and how important it is to be fueled by that positivity. What are some of the habits that you have, right, that allow you to be passionate about what you, you're doing and push all your energy towards it? Well, one of the key things is to have a vision, right? And that moment you were climbing the bridge, you you lost your vision in that moment. But if you had your vision, if you had a vision for a positive future, you would have done that. And maybe something made you turn around. But when you keep your vision alive, it will keep you alive. I often talk about marathon runners. When do most marathon runners quit the marathon? It's not the first mile because you're just getting started. And it's actually not the last mile. The second least amount quit in the last mile. Even though you've been running the longest and farthest, that's when you should give up. Most people don't. Most people give up in the 20th mile. That's where they're physically tired and then mentally drained. They lose their vision. So what happens? They just stop running. So I tell teams all the time when I'm working with a sports team or even a, a business team or an education team, keep your vision alive and it will keep you alive. Write down when your 20th mile is. We all know it when it happens during the course of the year. And then write down next to that, keep your vision alive. So I'm speaking to teachers sometimes in September. I'll say, hey, when's your 20th mile? Please don't say October. And, <laughs> and, you know, because some it is already, right? But right. a lot of times it's February, March for them. In us, in our journey, there's always a 20th mile. But if you keep that vision alive, it will keep you alive. So for me, it's been keeping this vision of, of what I'm meant to do. It's where you're going. It's a North Star. We all need a North Star of, of where we're going. We all need a North Star that gives us hope and direction that aligns us in the right place. And then we also need to know why we're going there. What is your why? We often hear about the why lately. What is your purpose? So I wrote a book called The Seed, which is about finding your purpose. A 27-year-old goes on a journey to find his purpose, ultimately realizing live with purpose each day. As you start to live with purpose and, and you live on purpose, your greater purpose starts to move through you. So have that purpose of where you're going, know why you, where you're going and why you're going there, and the power just starts to move through you. Uh, I love it. L living authentically, living passionately, and, and being true to yourself allows you to continue to push through. You talk so um, openly about the necessity for grit as well, alongside that yeah. vision. What, what are the keys to, to grit for you, for anyone who is caught up in the minutia of their life or their job, and they can't see the, the forest for the trees? Talk to, talk to us about the power of grit. 
Well, the number one predictor and factor of success is grit. It's not talent, title, wealth, or good looks. It's grit. You know, the ability to work hard for a long period of time towards a goal and to persevere and overcome and keep moving forward in the face of adversity, failure, rejection, and obstacles. I wanted to say that fast. So, <laughs> so, so, if, so grit, though, moves us. Then the question is, as you asked, what then moves grit? What drives grit? That's what we're talking about. A vision drives grit. If you see it, then you can continue to work towards it. If you know the way, you won't let obstacles get in the way. So a vision is important. Positivity, optimism, belief is important. Do I believe that this is important? Do I believe that I have the ability to continue to move forward? My son asked me yesterday, he's a competitive tennis player, dad, do I have it? Do I have what it takes? I said, yes, you do. If you didn't, we wouldn't be on this journey right now. Yes, you have it. That belief is important. Belief from others, belief in yourself. So the optimism and the belief to continue to move forward through all the adversity, energy vampires, and negativity. And then it's that purpose we just talked about, the why, right? That greater purpose fuels you. If you don't have that purpose, you're going to give up. If you don't have the purpose, you're going to run out of gas along the way. So we don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. So that purpose fuels you. And then I also believe grit is, is fueled by stubbornness. I think there's just good old fashioned stubbornness. Like, you know what? No, I'm competitive and I am not going to give up. And maybe there's even a little bit of insecurity that drives grit because, you know, we want to prove ourselves. We want to be someone of value. Look at Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady. I mean, those guys were both undervalued, underappreciated early on. And now they always feel like they have something to prove. So I think that's a driver as well. Not always a healthy driver, but it is a driver. I, I love that because I have for a long time, most of my life been an insecure human being, right? And it allowed me, those insecurities allowed me to get to the top of my respective field as an MLS athlete. Um, but at the same time, it was some of what fueled my greatest darkness, right? So it's, it's, it's yes. super. That, well, that's, and that is where we know that there's power to it because it's two sides of the same coin, right? Right. You have to have an ego to want to be great, but you must give up your ego and decide to fuel up with a greater purpose and make a greater difference in order to truly be great. So what fuels us could also be a dark side that we must address and heal and find a greater purpose. There's a positive side like fear needs to be replaced with the love. So my fear of failure must be replaced by my love of competing, my love of growing, my love of making a difference. I had that when I wrote The Carpenter. I'd written a lot of books before The Carpenter. Energy Bus was you know, doing really well. Training Camp was off the charts. And so people are reading my books and getting all these emails, how it's making a difference. And now I'm writing The Carpenter. And I had writer's block for the first two weeks. I could not write this book. I never had writer's block before because I was so worried what people were going to say, that my best work was behind me. And then I realized one day I woke up, oh, no, just love it. Love the writing, love the reader, and then just love the process of what I do. And sure enough, once I did that, the book flowed and I actually wove that into the story. And now it's one of my key principles that I teach actually to overcome fear, love, because if you love it, you won't fear it because love casts out perfect fear. I mean, perfect love casts out fear. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Lo there is no greater power than love and, and, and positivity and optimism. And that's why I love your message so much. It's in line with what uh, the creating space message is about and what I needed to get me out of the suicidal and the dark and depressive thoughts. Now you've written so many books, John. I mean, come on, 17 in total. The energy bus really took off. 
you've got a unique story around that. Um, but of all of all of the books, which one's your favorite? You know, I have I do have a favorite. People often say, you know, it's like kids, you don't have a favorite, but you know, <laughs> we probably do have a favorite of our kids too. But uh, it, it, we love them differently, right? In different right. ways at different times. And I do love my books differently for different ways. Like Energy Bus is definitely my first one. So it's the most special, right? It changed my life. But Training Camp, if I had to pick one, people say The Carpenter's my best, but Training Camp is my favorite because of the story, the injury that the player goes through. He has to take time to really reflect and think about what he wants in life, sort of like you. He has to overcome his fear and find his faith on a journey to ultimately be his best. Like Rocky, he wants to be someone of value, but he ultimately realizes that by bringing value to others is what ultimately brings you value. And so it's just a lot of me in that story as well. A lot of my own adversity, my own challenges, my own faith journey of this player to just trying to find his faith. So to me, that's my most special book. And people call me all the time, like guys will call me, man, you made me cry, like brought me to tears. And it's really cool. I'm so passionate about it that got a place in LA just recently. And got a place there so that I can start working on getting this made into a movie. Going to really focus on making this into a movie because it's something I just know I'm really passionate about. I love that. So you've you've had a bit of an injury yourself. If there's a piece of you inside there, did I did I do my research correctly that you were a lacrosse player at Cornell? I was. I yeah. was. I was. I was a college lacrosse player at Cornell University, and uh, four year you know four year varsity started three years. And um, had a pretty decent career. I wasn't like the greatest player, but I was a good player. Right. I was a hard work. I was a hard worker, a great teammate. Uh, so I mean, I think uh, you know, I learned a lot throughout my journey as an athlete. Played football. I was actually recruited mostly for football to colleges, but decided to play lacrosse at Cornell instead. That was the only place that recruited me for for lacrosse was Cornell. So I decided to go there instead because I knew I was going to play professional football. So I just went there instead. But being an athlete my whole life, playing all sorts of sports, really ultimately helped me become who I am today. So tell me what pieces of that journey and being an athlete and all of the characteristics that you built as a human being, what carries over and what still stays with you today in, in, you know, your new life where you're literally leading people to the promised land. It's so impressive. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I think it's um, no doubt overcoming rejection, being told you're not good enough. What? You're going to play in college? No, you're not. You're going to play in varsity and be a starter? No, you're not. Having to work so hard to become a starter and running back in my school, to never having given things handed to me. They never handed me anything. I always had to each year prove myself. And I was so frustrated when I always had to prove myself every year. But I look back, it's what great gave me the grit to keep moving forward. When the energy bus was rejected by over 30 publishers, right, being told it wasn't good enough or we don't like it, it didn't bother me because I had been told that my whole life. I've been proving people wrong my whole life. That's what Martin has to do in training camp. That's what George has to do in energy bus. So there's a common theme, right? It's what Rocky does. So the critics try to define you, but we're not defined by the critics. We're defined by our heart, our passion, our spirit, and our soul to create what we're meant to create. So I never let the opinion of others. So when I had those rejections, it didn't stop me. I just believed and kept moving forward. Now, did I have fear? Yes. Did I have doubt? You bet. But I continue to just move forward, hoping and believing that somehow, some way, 
something great was going to happen. It's that piece of ignorance that you talk about. And I love that, right? You have to have blinders to a degree, but I'm learning this in my young endeavors now and stepping out and taking a risk right now, John, and getting outside of coaching and really becoming an entrepreneur and building this. I think a question that I have for you, and I bet this mirrors the questions from our listeners is, what do you do when you are becoming affected by the critics in that outside criticism begins to seep into the inside talk, you know, the talk that you have, the self-talk to yourself. What are some ways that you can redirect yourself out and away from that energy and, and remove yourself from any of that negativity? Well, one, remember this. No one ever remembers the critic. History does not remember the critic. History remembers the person who withstood criticism to continue on their path to accomplish something great. So, when the critics come, you just continue to move forward. But what do you do? You realize when it's affecting you that you're looking outside instead of inside. Mm. And you remind yourself of the truth that we don't create our world outside in. We create it inside out. The power is on the inside. No one ever created the world and changed the world looking outside in. They did it inside out. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, worked with them for five years. Dabo's like, we're Clemson. This is who we are. This is what we do. Just play and be Clemson. Be your best. It doesn't even matter who we play. Look inside. It doesn't matter what the critics say. Just show up and do the work. Show up every day. Get better and do the work. When they criticize you, show up and do the work. When they praise you, show up and do the work. It doesn't matter what anyone says. You continue to do that work. And over time, right, over time, I believe greatness shines through. Over time, your love continues to shine through of what you're building. It may not be good early on. My speaking was horrible early on. Had a woman come see me speak. She was in the event planner industry and said, I should just give up. It's never going to happen for me. Like he doesn't have a career, but I didn't listen to her. No. Yeah, I was horrible. My wife even said, you know what? Um, maybe you should try something else. But, <laughs> but, but not in a mean way, but she's like, you know, she said, you know what? I gave you so much credit because you were doing it when you were just getting started and not very good, but you got better. And that's the thing. I just kept getting better. And I'm a much better speaker now than I was even three, four years ago. Seven years ago, I've done events. People haven't seen me in seven years. They think I'm still that speaker. No, I'm not that speaker anymore. I'm a completely different speaker. I'm different than I was three years ago. It's so funny. I have some people now that they've come up to me and they say, wow, you know, you've really improved. Don't take this the wrong way, but you've got a lot better. I said, no, no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I was story when I was really 34, 35, right? So I'm 46 now. I've been doing it for about 10 years, a little going over 10 years. So I'm just starting to find my groove really now, but I'm going to be even better 20 years from now, God willing. I live that long. So 20 years from now, I want to be even better. And that's the thing. You don't worry about what people say. You just continue to get better. Don't do it for the applause. Do it for the cause. Ooh, don't do it for the applause. Do it for the cause. John. I got to give, give my buddy Daniel Decker credit for that one. He, yeah, he, that's he, not he, yours. All right, Daniel. No, I got to give him credit. See, I always believe in giving credit, by the way. You will never hear me steal someone's quote. If I use a quote, I will always credit to someone else. So on Twitter, whatever I tweet, those are my quotes, unless I quote someone else. I believe that our ideas, our intellectual property are really all we have today. Sure. So don't steal it, give credit, and then come up with your own great ideas. Absolutely, man. I, I agree upon that 100%. You know, you talk about the systems and the processes for success, right? So talk to me a little bit about, you know, we, we have this still guide where we, there's four quadrants. We talk about self, tribe, hustle, and legacy, the four areas of your life 
putting interest in. My, my question to you is, as a peak performer, when I'm starting to get off the beaten path and I'm getting stressed and overwhelmed by the process, what gets me back to my, my best self is a little bit of meditation, a little bit of yoga, going out and working out and pushing myself to you know that competitive limit. What do you have structurally that when you know you're, you're redlining, you have this process that you can get back to be an exercise or whatever that makes you a, a better person and gets you back to the ground zero? To me, it's it's reading. You know, like I'll read I'm reading this book right now, uh, Rediscover Jesus by Matthew Kelly. He he wrote The Rhythm of Life. I mean, this book is so amazing and powerful. Overcome. You know, it's a great book I'm reading right now. Clayton King. So reading is really keeps me uh, reading inspirational books keeps me going. Right. Also, right. Uh, you know, taking walks in the morning of gra- I call them a thank you walk. You know, thank you walks, thank you walks and prayer. So I walk and pray. It's a form of meditation, prayer. I think it's even more powerful than meditation. Instead of connecting to nothing, you're connecting to everything. And so there's great power there. So I like to walk and and pray. I just did one this morning, actually, before our interview. So that's always really a great way to center. And research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling blessed, you won't be stressed. So that's really been powerful as well. And then just recognizing when you know you're working too hard, you're a little, you know, you're overburdened. I like to watch a movie, read a book, and just go have some fun. And that's what keeps me in line. Yeah, we don't have enough fun in our lives. We don't make enough time for fun. No. We? We're so busy today. I, I notice I'm working all the time. Even lately, I said, you know what? I got to take some time. My word this year, every year I pick a word, is still. You know, still. Find that stillness in the craziness mm-hmm. to really um, calm the spirit and recharge and refocus. You talk about the spirit, you talk about your soul. If you could describe your spirit, your individual soul, um, John, talk to me a little bit about that soul and what it requires on a daily basis to, to feel fulfilled. I think all our souls require the same thing. I believe that we're here for a purpose. So when we're living our purpose, our soul is fulfilled. We all want love and want to give love. So the more we are receiving and giving love, the more we feel fulfilled. Right. And right. And the more that we are moving forward with faith and trust instead of fear, the more we nourish our souls. And the more we do things in line with with goodness and love and kindness to help others rather than jealousy, anger, and bitterness and revenge, then our souls destroyed everything every time we're sabotaging our soul every time we do something wrong that's not in line with love and with God. The more we're doing things in line with God of love and kindness, the more we refuel and recharge. So to me, it's really that simple. What are you filling up with? Are you filling up with love and joy and peace or hate, anger, and bitterness? And the more you fill up with that, there's no room for that negativity to come in. Mm. John, it's it's so good, man. And and I, I love to hear your life hacks and see what what you're doing, what your process is that keeps you strong. Tell me this, who is inspiring you right now? When I look at influencers, you know, the Tony Robbins, I look at the Gary Vaynerchuks, I look at the Lewis houses, people yeah. in my space and in other spaces that inspire me, Ray Lewis for, for that motivational piece, yourself when it comes to positivity. Who do you look to for your own source of inspiration? You know, one of the biggest inspirations for me is a guy named Erwin McManus. He's out in Los Angeles. He's actually a pastor out there, uh, a church called Mosaic, but it's a church of like artists and actors and no Buddhists. Yeah, Buddhists and atheists and a, a wide group of community that just comes every week. They don't even believe in God, a lot of them, but they, they <laughs> come to be part of a community 
and their lives are being transformed. I mean, Easter, five years ago, 700 people. This Easter, 8,700 people wow. in Los Angeles being transformed, just more soul, more spirit, doing great things for others. You know, it's not the crazy Christians that want to condemn the world. It's, it's the ones who want to bring life to the world and love the world. Incredible. So Irwin has been doing this now for 30-something years, just hitting his stride, doing amazing things. So he's someone that really inspires me. He inspired me many years ago that really affected me and impacted me on my journey moving forward. And so now it's actually funny that I'm now a very involved part of, of him and what he's doing and his community years later after his impact. So I read his books. I listen to his podcast every week. Inspires me. Um, you know, Judah Smith inspires me. Guys like that inspire me. So uh, the books I said I'm reading right now, Matthew Kelly, uh, John Orberg wrote a great book called Soul Keeping and All the Places to Go. Incredible book. They inspire me. So it's, uh, you know, I'm not inspired by the, you know, those all great guys you mentioned. And I, I do look at what they're doing and they're doing incredible work. But I find my inspiration from other sources. I like it. I love it. Uh, what about specifically for you with that inspiration that you garner and that you take? You're a busy guy. I can't imagine your plate not being full. What are you working on? What's John Gordon working on right now? So what I'm working on is I uh, just create a seven-day power positive you plan that's going to be free. So just created that to say, okay, let's share this with the world and just put it out there. So just work that on that this weekend. And then I'm writing a book as a follow-up to the power of positive leadership called the power of a positive team. Mm. So I'm going to be talking about how to build a great team, how to be a great team actually. So it's meant for teammates, not leaders, power, positive leadership as a leadership. I want this book to be a book that teams will read together to say, how can we make each other great? And how can we be a great team together? Yeah, the locker room definitely needs something like that. You know, it, it makes me curious, though. Um, as an athlete, you're always looking at your weaknesses, trying to figure out how to strengthen your weaknesses. As a coach, you're looking how to figure out how, where the cancers are and how to mend, mend those uh, broken relationships. When yeah. you look at your own life right now as a peak performer, um, as a personal developer, um, all the things you've got going on, what specifically for yourself – um, in habits you have maybe that you'd like to alter, change, or improve? What are you working on specifically for yourself? Reading more. I mean, I really want to take time and make time to read every day to recharge, to stop you know, getting on my, my social media too quickly in the morning and, right. and really take time to recharge. It's something I, I'm, I need to start doing. And I was doing it for about three or four days, uh, last couple of days, feels so much better feels so much better just to start the day like that. So that's one thing I'm working on. Um, weakness in terms of, um, you know, just wanting to get better in everything I'm doing. I want to be a better writer. want to be a better speaker. want to continue to recharge with purpose, not just to write something, but to write something that's meaningful, something that's that lasts. So working on that. We're going to be a better father, being a better husband. I have a tendency to drive my kids. I, you know, I want, I'm a driver. Right. I want to be successful, but I got to make sure that I'm following my own advice and being a positive leader in that process. So to really come at it in a positive way. So getting better and you know, had a good talk with my daughter the other day and my son the other day. So again, that those open lines of communication are key. So I do work on myself a lot. I work on my relationships a lot, work on my marriage a lot, 
but you know, there's always room for improvement to get even better. Always, man. And, and I love it. Constant discover um, and, you're, and you're pushing people and yourself to, to be better. As we round this interview out, John, it's been a, a, an awesome time. I'd love to ask you just a couple of questions. First of all, all of the incredible teams you've worked with, the incredible coaches that you've helped. What is your most memorable moment with a team specifically, be it the NFL, be it the NBA or in the co collegiate sports? What's a memory you have that sticks out um, from, from two, uh, two moments? One was when I spoke to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, not this year when they went to the Super Bowl, but right. a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago now. And they had just read training camp and guys were coming up to me after my talk and literally giving me a hug, like a big old hug because the book inspired them so much. I'll never forget how it really touched them and touched their soul. That was special. And then being on the sideline with Clemson football when they won the national championship and just watching that last play and the way it happened and all the adversity, all the challenges, all the fear, all the doubt, but to see how it unfolded so magically in that moment and to see everything come to fruition for Coach Sweeney and that team yeah. that I know so well and worked with, was truly a special moment. And I knew they were going to win. And I had texted Dabo some private things about that and some spiritual things that happened and some signs I saw that actually made me know I still have them on my phone, literally what, what I saw and what happened that to see it unfold like that was just like seeing the sign and go, it's real. It's like <laughs> faith grew even more, not because God wanted one team to win versus the other, because that was what was meant for that moment, for that team and those guys. And then after the game, for Dabo to say, my word all year, my, we wrote a book called One Word That Will Change Your Life. My word all year has been love. And I told the guys that our love for each other was gonna make the difference. To hear a coach on the national stage talk about love, not fear, but love, and not making the difference was an incredible, special, and powerful moment. He's an incredible man, a phenomenal coach, respect him so much, and just honored that I get to work with him. It's very cool. I grew up 15 minutes outside of Clemson in a little town called Easley, South Carolina, which Easley, no way. Easley, drive there all the time. No way. Yeah. There's like two or three, two or three stoplights max in that little city. But to watch what Dabo's done to Clemson and to see the culture that he's developed inside the locker room and how it has completely expanded to the entire state, you know, and now the country really, people are really trying to figure it out. And that's awesome to see you've been an integral part of that. Yeah, I think the whole state of South Carolina is like on the energy bus now, <laughs> yeah. except, except for the South Carolina fans. But, uh, but like the entire state has been up, like schools are now where I get calls from schools and business businesses and everything it's you know it's been wild how the whole state has become infected with this contagious positive energy it's been wild to see yeah it's awesome my dad 37 years in administration in south carolina as schools um he's retiring this year and i just uh -huh. sent him a copy of the energy bus as he uh -huh. is really afraid about the next space of his life. He wouldn't say he's afraid, but you can tell he's a little bit um, unsettled by it. So the, the book that I sent him was The Energy Bus, and it's well, only- The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to watch him just grow into the next version of himself. But I'll say this, John, you've done so much for not just athletes, but for so many individuals. You need to be celebrated. So I'm super grateful for all you've done, John. I hope you continue to, to stay motivated, to continue to crush the things you're working on. And I really do appreciate you coming on the creating space podcast thanks wes i appreciate your story appreciate you know what what you share and the difference that you're now making you're taking 
your your mess that you had, right, turned into a message and and your pain that you went through, the suffering, and now really helping others with it. And that's ulti- the ultimate journal journey. So so uh, thanks for what you do, brother. I, Absolutely. I really the first thing I'm going to do right now is get on the Audible and get training camp. I know right, that I really quickly, man. So, hey, John, have a great rest of your day, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Wes. Keep up the great work. Man, what a conversation in John Gordon. I, I really enjoyed this because John Gordon, obviously, his message is built around love. It's built around positivity. And I'm a big fan of his book, The Energy Bus. I'll be picking up training camp here before too long. Question that it begs to ask in this moment is, what have you done for someone else today? What have you done to put a smile on someone else's face? Even if it's as small as a text message to an old friend or a call to to a family member or even buying someone a coffee in the line in front or behind you at the coffee shop. What have you done today to push yourself out of your comfort zone to do something for someone else? I would love to see some evidence of that because I think accountability partners are very important. So here's the challenge I'll uh, leverage to you guys today. Challenge number one, take a picture of uh, of a text message that you've sent to a friend, something positive, something light, tag me on that on Instagram, or take a picture of this conversation and tag uh, myself at Wesley T. Knight or John Gordon at John, J-O-N, Gordon 11 on Instagram in your story. Tag that. Let us know that you've listened. Let us know that you really enjoyed it. And as always, take a moment, hop on over to iTunes, hit us with a rating or a review. A five-star rating continues to push creating space up the self-help podcast list. So I would love to continue to climb up that list as uh, we shoot our way to one of the leading self-help podcasts in iTunes. So without any further ado, love you guys. Have a great rest of your day and lead it with some love. Lead it with some positivity. (music) 